Welcome to episode 119 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And we are back. And on topic. On topic. Cameron's back from Japan. I am. I'm back from Carmel. You are. We're here to talk about Batman Beyond. The final episode of Batman Beyond. Yes. The final final two episodes. Um, I'm going to be honest. I'm very happy we get both epilogue and also Return of the Joker. Because if this was how this series ended... If this was our send-off to Beyond... Wow, is it a bad taste? Oh, mouth. damn. Yeah. I mean, look, I get that a lot of these older cartoons never really get a proper finale, like uh, BTOS never really did, nor did the new Batman Adventures. Um, this was able to subsequently kind of get a proper send off because this is, well, it's garbage, frankly. Yeah. These are terrible, terrible episodes. Uh, we're, ta- we're talking Countdown and Unmasked. Yes. Uh, one of which is a really clunky, further backdoor pilot for the zeta project and the other one is a really good idea they don't do anything interesting with yes uh oh boy but we've also been gone for like three weeks three weeks yeah that's true we like recorded three weeks worth of stuff in the can uh we hope you enjoyed lots of marvel talk as well as a sparkle quiz we talked about marvel oh right the marvel the count the the list yeah we did that exactly yeah mm-hmm. lots of that uh but we're back and we are we're gonna kind of be choosy about what news topics we cover because so many things have happened there have been so many trailers like batman hush batwoman neither of which cameron has seen nope. <laughs> so we're not gonna talk about those all kinds of news we, we've kind of narrowed it down to like four kind of key things you know, you know talk what about really here, surprised so. me about being in japan is uh The corn on the cob dildos? The corn on the cob dildos are etched in my mind to such a specific detail. Um, No, it's, you know, internet is is open there, but so many streaming services just don't exist out there. Not, I mean, not just streaming, but so many just websites don't exist out there. Really? Uh, Like Hulu, uh, not Hulu, uh, HBO doesn't exist. DC Universe isn't out there yet. So is there no Game of Thrones in Japan? Uh, No, you, you have to watch it live. There's a channel that plays it, uh, not stars like we have stars, but S-T-A-R-S, uh, stars like channel. stars? Yes. Like you would actually spell stars. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Took me a second there. Uh, you have to watch it live. It's, it's 10 a.m. on Mondays. Uh, what? Yeah. Because it's in the future. Yeah, but... Do people sit down to watch it at 10 a.m. on Mondays? I That's your only option. I mean, so it must not be a very big show out there that people, like, do they not care about? Uh, not, I mean, I, I couldn't understand anyone if they were talking about it. No, there's that. That's fair. Uh, but it was it was very frustrating to try and watch it while being out there. But you were able to? Uh, by by uh, less legal standards, yes. Okay, fair. We, we won't go further into yeah. that. Uh, uh, but, I mean, because of that, I was unable to receive a lot of news especially you know anything related to the dc universe okay uh, because it just doesn't, it, it didn't exist well you yeah. were also busy i was also very busy we yes. did a lot of walking we, you, were, we you walked, were doing far more important things we did 115 miles in 10 days jesus christ yeah my feet still hurt yeah I know. you're looking good looking trim thank you i know all that walking all that walking all that sushi <laughs> Ooh, sushi. actually we didn't we didn't do a lot of, we did a lot of ramen okay mm-hmm. i feel like you're not a big sushi person i'm, I'm getting up there what what do I'm you enjoying it a lot more? What's now. your go to sushi like? What uh, you, yellowtail. Yellowtail. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, do you do like sashimi or do you do like a, a more complex cooked roll, like uh, cooked or like highly flavored roll? Uh, I'm I'm fine with sashimi. 
Uh, it, it's kind of whatever is prominent on the menu. Okay. Because like, I, 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 I'm, I try and do something new every time I go to, go to okay. a sushi place. No, that's smart. Because like my introduction to sushi was doing these things called like Godzilla rolls, which mm-hmm. are like baked tuna rolls and like jalapeno stuff, and they're super good. Yeah. It's, like, it's good to start with those like really complex, really flavorful, possibly baked rolls, and then eventually work your way down to just eating like just straight raw fish. Yeah. But oh. I'm, I'm there now. I love how we were supposed to be on topic. Hey. It's, it's news. This is this is Cameron news. Also, to explain, I don't think you and I have ever gotten sushi together. Maybe, have maybe we, like maybe like once. No, at it, it, Comic Con we did because I went to your oh, sushi place. That's true. We had the big group. Yeah. Okay. So that that was the like the second time I ever had sushi. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, but you and I generally don't do sushi. We do burgers. Yeah. Other things. This is why you and I have never had a lengthy conversation about our sushi eating habits. That's until, very true. Yeah. Until this podcast for everyone to enjoy. Um, okay, but yeah, you sushi so, when my mom was in town. Oh, that's she, right. She treated us to sushi, yeah, at uh, at her place. Yeah, you have a much better memory for these things than I do. It, it's it's fish fish, uh, rat, uh, not recognition. What's the word? I recall. Guess. Yeah, fish recall. Yeah. You just jump back to every time you watch a Lawrence Fishburne movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna go with the the lesser known prequel of Total Recall. Oh, okay. I, that or you just remember fish concerts from the early nineties. I'm a big fan of the fish concerts <laughs> of the early nineties. But I actually couldn't tell you a fish song. I just remember they were a band that existed, and also I remember they were featured prominently. And that was Hooting the Blowfish. Yes. That I'm thinking of from Friends. This all doesn't matter. Uh, so you you watched the Game of Thrones finale. I did. We're not going to get into like full on spoiler discussion of Game of Thrones. That's a, a tedious conversation. I will just and ask it's you. It's been over for a week and a half. Exactly. A lot of people are still fuming. I know. I will ask you this. Yes. Did you enjoy it or not? I was fine with it. You're fine with it. Yeah. Okay. Like, did you find the resolution more or less satisfying? With what we had in the episodes before, this was, I think, the... I don't want to say the best. This mm-hmm. was um, an outcome that I'm not horribly upset about Okay, with that, what was given with 3, 4, and 5. That sets you apart from a lot of people. Okay, so given that, uh, what do you think about the fact that... Benioff and Weiss, the showrunners, creators, mm-hmm. creators of Game of Thrones, will be doing the next Star Wars trilogy starting in 2022. So he- here's the thing. Here's the thing that a lot of people, it's it's really bothering me. And I've been talking, I haven't, I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast, but I've, I've no, mentioned you it. you just told this to me today. Okay, so. yeah. I, I've had this, this bit of knowledge since probably season four, season five. Between the two of them, between D&D, before Game of Thrones, their only professional writing credit was the one and only X-Men Origins Wolverine. And people have waited, you know, we've had eight seasons, we've had 10 years with these two. Yeah. Uh, 10 years to scroll through their incredibly short IMDb's. Um, <laughs> and no one bothered to do it. No one, no one bothered to do it. No one bothered to, I mean, I think people did. I feel like people did look this up early on, but the show was so good in the beginning, they just didn't care. Yeah. They're like, oh, you know, it wasn't his fault that the movie was so bad. Clearly something else happened between X-Men Origins screenplay and film. Uh, but no, people are finally coming to realize that one, they don't, they didn't care about ending it. They just wanted that star Wars money at this point. <laughs> um, the cast did everything they could to, to work with the script they were given. Yeah. Uh, like I, I can't blame them for anything. The cast is still, you know, they're, they're so charming and so wonderful. 
it, it really comes down to the professionalism of D&D. The professionalism? That's the lack pretty, thereof. That's, that's pretty bold. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, HBO offering them 10 episodes, them not wanting it. Uh, HBO offering them 10 seasons and them not wanting it. Uh, but you, would you have wanted this to go on for 10 seasons of 10 episodes? Would you want 100 episodes of Game of Thrones? Of well, Do you it, think it, there's that much more story that we were missing out on? Yeah. What? There's there's five prophecies that were never like never re- oh, revealed. God, that's fine. I hate prophecies. I think it's the laziest plot mechanism there is. If if you so let's let's go back to like season six. Oh god, we're getting into this. Okay. Uh, and then at, at season six, when it, season five, we'll say season five because people people still overly enjoyed it. At season five, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, we are now at the halfway point. HBO comes over. He's like, hey, you guys, we're, we're doing great now. You, you can shorten the number of episodes per season, but we want to stretch it out to 10 so we can fully see everything in this world. Uh, I think that's, you know, not seeing Star Wars in the future. I think that that's a, a, a decent deal because not only does that give you more time to flesh out characters, bring in other characters from the books that fans really wanted to see, but... It also gives a little bit more wiggle room for George R. R. Martin to maybe finish his goddamn book so they had source material and didn't have to bullshit an ending like they had to this time. I Okay, I think... I don't agree with a lot of that, to be perfectly honest. Okay, but I mean, I also... I have multiple perspectives on this. Because uh, that's that's idea one. Idea two is it was still going to be the same ending. George R. R. Martin was using this as a, using this as a test run ending. Boom. Uh, in the same way that Brian Lee O'Malley used the ending of the Scott Pilgrim movie as a test run. Yeah. Uh, before completely rewriting it for book six. Yeah. I, I don't think Martin was ever going to finish these books before the show was done. Um, I, okay. I didn't know about the X-Men origins thing to be perfectly honest. Isn't that frustrating to it's, know, though? It's, it's kind of frustrating It's so, like... Look, you gave a, an amazing... You gave a million-dollar series to these two guys that had one writing credit between them. Yeah, but they knew who Jon Snow's mother they was. Knew that's, who, that's why they got it. They read Look, the books. There's a longer conversation we had about the, the Game of Thrones finale. What I'll say in regards to Star Wars is... Oh, right, we're talking about Star Wars. Yeah, we're talking about Star Wars. (laughs) I think the biggest mistake in all of this isn't that they were given that assignment. It's that Disney confirmed that's what those trilogy movies were going to be right in the middle of the massive fan backlash against this season. I don't think all of that fan backlash is totally deserved. I still think no matter what, they were in a tough spot because they had books to adapt up to this point. And I think all they had at this point now was plot mm-hmm. points. I think Martin was basically like, here are the things that are going to happen, but I'm going to give you no other context for like how that builds up or any of the character motivations. And yes, they probably made a mistake in terms of going for two abbreviated seasons rather than going for a little bit longer. Like I will fully acknowledge mistakes were made. I don't think that they are completely deserving of all the vitriol we're getting. I think fans in general are getting a little bit too vocal about all this because I mean, this also ties in one of our other our news topics this week which is that uh sonic 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 got postponed to accommodate the, the design changes and it's there are two for both these cases there are two elements here there's one is 
creatives making bad calls. Mm-hmm. I will fully acknowledge, I think Benioff and Weiss made some bad calls in terms of Game of Thrones. We know little to nothing about what their Star Wars movies are going to be. So let's wait and see on that. Mm-hmm. I think people are just still pissed off about The Last Jedi, maybe not totally earned. Well, because I think that, that's, the other, earned. That's, that's the other big point is D&D are continuing their series, but also Disney has said that Rain, Ryan Johnson is not continuing a series. Have they confirmed that? I think they did. I don't remember seeing that confirmed anywhere. Okay. So, but basically what this comes down to is fans all of a sudden think they're owed something. And I think in terms of Sonic, that was a terrible design decision right from the beginning. Whoever agreed to that was an idiot. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're going and changing it so far into production. It's in this particular case, it's probably for the best because that design is so far off and you really want to keep your, your loyal fan base intact here, but it's a slippery slope. Yes. Given that there's already a lot of speculation with say episode nine and the future star Wars projects in terms of what they are and when they're being released, that Disney's reacting to the backlash. I think ultimately what they're reacting to is the finance of all of it. The fact that The Last Jedi did not do as well as Force Awakens and the solo basically flopped. I think that's what they're reacting to, not fans being pissed off. But here's what I have to say to the fans, which will also tie into yet another thing we're talking about later on in the news. Shut the fuck up. That's not going to happen, though. But, like, you are ridiculous for think if, if you're a fan who thinks that you complaining about something on Twitter and Facebook it actually has an effect... You're mistaken. I mean, there's a whole website dedicated to this called change.org. Yeah, I know. And when it's cheeky and it's like, let's petition Obama to build a Death Star. Ha ha. It's so funny. Fine. Whatever. But like this sort of stuff is really fucking dumb. There's a whole separate conversation to be fact that people are getting really upset about this and not say some of the disastrously medieval laws that are getting passed in this country at the same time. Again, separate conversation. Yes. But like, I, I don't know. For me, I'm just kind of sick of all of it. Like you... And the problem is, is that them doing stuff like re- changing the design on Sonic is now giving credence to all these whiny fanboys that I don't want to hear from anymore. Yeah, I, I agree that um, fans are are being more vocal now than ever before, but the the voice has always been there. And now just kind of with Twitter, they have a platform and, yeah. and news sources are treating fan reaction as news now that's the other problem yeah that yeah that's, now it's getting recovered which is yes. dumb mm-hmm. uh to, i mean it, it's it's always subtly been covered but now when you click on articles and this is what's really bothering me kind of about a grander picture of all of this is when you go to these uh like snippet sites the the people that use the the shitty headlines mm-hmm. um where they're they're kind of reporting on nothing. There's like a paragraph of reporting, which is kind of for for most articles, it'd be like a paragraph or two of reporting the incident, and then it'll be 37 tweets that they just randomly pulled off Twitter. Yeah. Like, and this is what the fans think. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I don't care about any of these. People. I don't care about. Yeah, I don't care about any of this shit. Yeah. That that is a big problem. Yeah. And because that is so prominent now. Uh, it, it gives fan, you know, it, it's, a, it's the, it's the snowball. It's fans say these things, news pick up these things. Fans want to be on the news. So now they, you know, lash out even louder and bigger yeah. in hopes that their reaction will be picked up by someone. Yeah. 
uh, which gives news more, you know, fire and more fuel for the fire. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's an endless cycle that I don't, I, I don't see it ending yeah. anytime soon. No, I, I think it's, but I also don't, I think Sonic will be an outlier kind of tying it all back. I don't think, um, a lot of these movies, cause Sonic is notorious for having like the most, I, you know, the, the joke has always been no one hates Star Wars as much as Star Wars fans. Yeah. Uh, I think Sonic really trumps that <laughs> because Sonic has not, in my opinion, Sonic has not had a good game since I would say 2002. Most fans say 1995. Okay. Uh, but, you know, fans still buy the games. There's yeah. still a Sonic game that comes out every two to three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all just bad. There's games. There's been, like, five animated series. Uh, and and now the movie, you know, I, I think... I, I, don't, I don't see other studios kind of doing well, what, what Sonic is going to do. Well, it's probably what's going to end up happening here is that Sonic's going to get pushed... They're going to redesign it. It's going to look kind of better. Mm-hmm. The movie's going to come out. It's going to be terrible. Yes. It's because gonna... well, that's the thing. It's not, it's a movie meant for children. Yeah. Well, but even like, even if it's meant for, like, there's so many things wrong with this decision. Making in the first place, making it for children, the bad design, doing the redesign. I don't think you can make this. I mean, who would have ever, you know, five years ago, if you told us that we're getting a live action Pokemon movie, what would your reaction been? I would be like, I don't care. And then I did care. And then I didn't really like it that much. Spoiler. Okay. Spoiler. That's fine. We'll get to it. Uh, I would have thought that was the worst. I, I I remember when I saw the first screenshot of a furry Jigglypuff. Uh, I I was upset. I didn't like it. Oh my god. Uh, you know I and I love Pokemon. Yes, I'm aware. I love that series. I'm aware. Uh, Your joy is only outmatched by my apathy. Yes. Uh, and. You know, I, I was very pleasantly surprised with the movie. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and now with Sonic, I think people are expecting the same kind of familyness of that w- that was from Detective Pikachu. Where Detective Pikachu was a family film. Yeah. Whereas Sonic is, I think they they want it to be a kids film. It feels so much more like a fucking um, Lazy Town than Lazy Town. <laughs> Lazy Town was a. Uh, was it Nick? Was it uh, Nick Jr. or Disney? It was it was an uh, an older kids like uh, like toddler show, mm-hmm. which was infamous for having not fam- probably famous for having a villain. It was like a live action Dick Dastardly, which like everyone had just the brightest colored hair, and he had uh, like a real life Wario like zigzag mustache. He oh was amazing. It, it's a crazy show. Highly recommend watching an episode because it's just adorable. It. Won't watch it. It's fine. No, I, I think the, that movie's gonna come out. It's gonna flop, and then the budget's gonna be boosted by another what ten million, twenty million to do a redesign. Well, here here's a comparison that I want to do is I would like to see how fan you know how fans asking for a change will affect Sonic. And compare that to how corporate is affecting a change, and compare that to New Mutants, because both mm. of which have been pushed back to 2020 now. New Mutants being pushed back for the third time. Yeah, I think it's like th- the movie was what filmed three or four years ago now at this point. Yeah, 
Uh, we had a trailer in 2017. Jesus. That's how that's how long it's been done. Quote unquote done. Yeah. Um, and so I think it'll be interesting just to see like, you know, the comparison between just production hell. Yeah. I think ultimately, no matter what, only money is going to really influence these sort of things. Mm-hmm. And I think most, for the most part, these fans are just yelling at each other in the void. Let me look at it. We're doing it now. Yeah. You and I are yelling at each other and we're forcing all these people to listen to us about yes. it. Yes. Listen to me. But, okay. So along these... Give me power. Along this uh, same line here, we did get some potential casting news in regards to Matt Reeves, the Batman. Uh, oh, it hasn't been confirmed? Still hasn't been confirmed. Oh, well, that's no, upsetting. No, no, this was just like, this was Variety, I believe it was, breaking that he, that Robert Pattinson, of course, is what we're talking about, that he was in serious contention to be cast as Bruce Wayne Batman in The Batman. Um, I, off our account, retweeted that saying, like, I'm all for this. Yeah, I'm down for that. I think it's, honestly, I think it's good casting choice. If they're going I don't really want a younger Batman. We've already done Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. I was excited in regards to Ben Affleck, not necessarily about him specifically, but the potential of an older Batman with an existing Bat family, you know, already having a relationship with a Nightwing, with a Batgirl potentially. Maybe there's a Red Hood down the line, a younger Robin, either in like Tim Drake or Damien. Like there's so much space to play in that's as of yet been unexplored. Mm-hmm. I'm less interested in a super young Batman again, but that's where they're going. Yeah. It's what's gonna happen. If they're gonna do that. I think he's a good casting choice. He, I've never seen any of the Twilight movies, because why would I? How dare you? I'm sure you have. I've but seen two of them. I actually haven't seen two that much of his... Oh, that's still two and a half too many. I still haven't seen much of his stuff post-Twilight. I did see him in The Lost City of Z. He's got a supporting role in that, which is really good. I've heard he's great in Good Times from last year, which mm-hmm. I have not seen. Um, but he's an actor who has pretty much only really tried to make good choices since he did his big franchise stuff. So one presumes if... He's interested in doing this movie. It's due to the quality of the pitch and the script. Yeah. And and he's he's one that it, it takes a lot of work to break out of the shell he was put in. Yeah. Uh like, you know, him, Dana Radcliffe, mm-hmm. they've and and others, you know, the the kid from uh, Star Wars Phantom Menace. Jake Lloyd. Yeah. Um when you when you are in a film like the three of them have been in, it's you know you're in that for the rest of your life. Yeah, and he has done such a good job bad mouthing Twilight to the point where no one wants to connect him to that anymore. Love it. Yeah, I don't know if you ever saw any interviews with him when Twilight was ending, uh, but he was basically saying like how shitty everything about this process was. Like oh, he didn't yeah. have a single positive thing to say about Twilight by the end. I'm of it. sure. Yeah. Uh, and I find that hilarious because even like the Game of Thrones people, looping back to that one more time, they're they're struggling to keep a smile on their face, but they're still smiling. Yeah, they're just like, OK, fine, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I yeah think- and, and he's and also on that point, he uh, he knows how to be part of a franchise. Too. Yeah. And I think that's I don't know how much that will help him, but, you know, he he knows how to handle fans and handle backlash. No, I, I, I think he's really good for this. I think he's a good actor. I think he's got the look down. Mm-hmm. I know he's got the smolder. He's got the smolder. You know, I mean, Bruce Wayne is supposed to be like super handsome, which to be fair, he is. Yeah. You know, I think some people are saying like, Oh, he's so lean, but that doesn't matter that much. So was Zach Levi. 
Yeah, exactly. So, so was every act. So was every, Jason Momoa. Yeah. So was everyone. In and this, even then, in this he universe. got a lot bigger too as he was doing this. Like this is yeah. a pretty common thing. Like look at Chris Pratt. I mean, he was kind of the opposite direction. He was like super doughy, but look how like cut he got. Yeah. This is all doable through like nonstop personal training, a really crazy healthy diet, and probably no small amount of steroids. Yeah. I mean, they 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 do these turnarounds in you know eight to twelve weeks. Yeah. It can be done. I think he he can put on the bill for it. Um, what. I found was like super frustrating was calling the same lines as Sonic and star Wars and game of Thrones is like fans putting out these petitions being like, Oh, let's, he hasn't even been cast. Like don't cast Robert Pattinson as Batman. I'm sure these same fucking people were complaining about Ben Affleck when he was cast. Yeah. Well, these, these fans have been around. I mean, these are the same fans that, in 2004, we're saying, Heath Ledger, how dare you cast him as our Joker? Well, actually, that would have been in 2006. Was that when the movie came out? Well, the movie came out in 2008, but I think he was okay. ca- he was yeah. cast in like 2006, 2007. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but they, these are the same people that are complaining about Michael Keaton. Yeah. like In the, the fans, 80s. Mm-hmm. Like, there was like, at the time, written petitions, like fan, like actual male petitions to prevent Michael Keaton from getting cast. Those same people, of course, were complaining with, yeah, exactly, Heath Ledger. They were complaining with Ben Affleck, who I still maintain, at least in BVS, actually does a really good job. Mm-hmm. Less yeah, so in the, Justice the, League. The problem is <clears throat> uh, cries of rage are always louder than cries of joy. Yes, this is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are the same fucking people that complain about Daniel Craig getting cast as James Bond. Yeah, and I, I fully agree with that. He's blonde. Yeah, mm-hmm. how dare they? <sighs> I'm just so anti-fan these days, aren't I? Yeah. It was that it was that goddamn Infinity War screen. That, that really it, turned you. It broke it for me. Yeah. Having to listen to a bunch of whiny tweens crying every time Spider-Man got dusted. Ugh. It was just that one kid in front of us. That that kid like broke you. It's like, no, I can't believe they're dying. No. Like if you we know what's happening. Hey, he was Shut he was fuck dressed up. up as Spider Man. Well then he right? should have been dusted. His girlfriend was, I assumed girlfriend, was dressed as Gwen like he he had been planning this. I don't care. Yeah. I, I don't. don't care at I know all. you don't. It's called empathy, I'm, Chris. I'm becoming like the Grinch of the, like the fan the community. Grinch. <laughs> like, I don't go to Comic-Con anymore because it's too annoying. I'm just going to be like sitting up on Mountain Crumpet, <laughs> glaring at everybody. Mm. I must keep Comic-Con from coming. But how? But how? How? Yeah, I'm just sick of all this shit. But, uh, we like, cause like I said, I posted that. I was like, Hey, I'm in favor of this. And most people have been like pretty cool about it. I was talking with Ashley Clark and she, she had like kind of mixed feelings, the whole thing. But one thing she suggested, which I actually thought was really genius was she suggested that Robert Pattinson would have made a great Hugo Strange. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been great casting actually. Yeah. Very, very harsh shadows. Every time he's around. (laughs) He won't go out in the sunlight. Yeah. I mean, you can do I the beard. Like that's what Hugo Strange is, though. Like every yeah. panel I see of Strange, it's always a, a top-down light. Yeah. Uh, very strong contrast. Yes. Yeah. Very <laughs> severe lighting. He always he always stands in the perfect spot. Yeah. The perfect amount of shadow. He's got that great big bushy beard. Yeah. And those tiny sunglasses. Tiny, and those tiny, tiny sunglasses. Glasses. No, I think that would have been really uh, really cool to see. And there's also something you said there about the fact that I think in a lot of these cases the villains are more interesting than the heroes. Yes. Um, We've been saying that with Batman since episode one of this. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. I love Terry. I love me some Terry. Yeah. So, I mean, should we just go ahead and jump into Batman at this point? I, I guess. I know. 
Look, I just don't want to talk about these episodes. These episodes are garbage, as we were saying before. So first up is uh, Countdown, Countdown, which is the return of Zeta, Zeta and his friend <laughs> Mo. Mo. Does she even go name Ro, in this episode? Ro. 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 Uh, her name. She. That. That's a great question. They say her name once, like twelve minutes in. Okay, I was like, I don't even remember because I remember pausing it and googling like. Who is Are this? we supposed to know who, who this is? This is? Person? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen photos, obviously, from Zeta, so I know that's his his partner. The whole yes. thing. And this- I, I, I saw her her like her Batman wiki page, and apparently, in where they were planning season three of Zeta, uh, she was supposed to come out as a robot. That's so dumb. <laughs> I'm so dumb. Aren't you excited to watch Zeta now? I am so much less excited to watch Zeta after watching this. Like, so we get introduced to the broader Zeta cast. So the way to look at this is like, this is the true proper backdoor pilot. Yes. And for those of you who don't know, backdoor pilot is when a spinoff is introduced in an existing show. Yes. So like, for example, the doom patrol episode of Titans. Yes. That's a great example. Or, um, you know, like NCAS, like LA was introduced in a normal NCS episode, which in of itself is a spinoff of Jag, as a lot of people don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, um, but it's that sort of thing. Basically, like they bring in an episode with like a whole new cast of people, and it's basically just a test of waters to see. Um, and so we do get Zeta, we get Roe, we get uh, Agent Bennett, who was in the last episode, but I think it's a different voice now. I, was, I don't, I think, I think it was Kurtwood Smith last time, but it is this time. Who knows? Um, Agent Lee, Doctor Ho. Uh, Agent West Smirk, who's voiced by Michael Rosenbaum, who apparently, man. who apparently in the Zeta show like is constantly fucking up because there's a note in here, but he actually does something right in this time. I've never seen Zeta, so like this Neither is all I. new to me. Oh, it's gonna be a rough time. But so we, we get all of them. Basically, Zeta shows up again because he's trying to talk to Doctor Ho, who I guess was the guy in the beginning. Did they ever actually confirm that's who they're trying to talk to? They they say when they get to the train station, when they get off the train, it's like, oh, I'm so excited to go talk to so and so at the conference. Yeah. Um, and then then it's like, oh, I know Gotham. I've been here before. I'm I have friends a friend with Batman named Batman. Oh God. Yeah, the writing in both of these episodes is. I don't know if it's just like since we took such a long break, I forgot what the writing. How was bad like this in the can show. be. But for this, both these episodes specifically, like the writing wasn't great. I I just felt like the voice acting also they they were so just done. It, yeah, it felt very lackluster. The voice performances. I feel like even the animation in Countdown was particularly bad. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if maybe because they were using the Zeta character models, which I think were animated on a lower budget. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder if they just like. All the rest of it's a little bit lower animation quality too. Yeah, there, there was a line that that bothered me so much in this episode, and it's when uh, Batman and Roe are in the the Batwing, mm-hmm. uh, and he's like, "Hey, you have to stay here. Uh, like, I'll I'll go do this." Yeah. So he goes down, fights off the bad guys, and she obviously goes with him. Uh, and he's like, "I thought I told you. I thought I told you to stay in the Batwing." He's like, "There's nothing good on the radio," and he says, "Okay." And it continues walking. Yeah. I'm like, are you fuck? Like, who wrote this? <laughs> I know. Also, this, like, the, I guess, sort of setup to that joke is him putting on elevator music in there. Yeah. Why? I don't, I don't, uh, I mean, I don't that is something Bruce would do. 
Yeah, I guess it kind of plays. But I mean, okay, so the one thing I did like about this was the inclusion of Mad Stan. Okay. Because I love Mad Stan. I'm tired of Mad Stan. <gasps> How dare you? Yes. So this episode opens. I, I'm pretty sure they reused this opening from another episode. Like reuse the animation or like the plot? Everything. Everything. Because it's the episode where um, Terry's framed for murder. Okay. Uh, it, it's, it's a Spellbinder episode and it's uh, Commissioner Gordon... Oh, uh, thought she saw Batman murder Matt Stan. Stan. Yeah, I think he was blowing up some sort of conference then too. Yes, like it's, it is, basic- it's the exact shot for shot. I I think it's the exact same scene. It's basically all he other because it's t- someone on the podium giving a speech. They're, the wall behind them is blown Blow up. up. Well, what I love about that too is that it's a. Uh, oh wait, hang on. This is something too. When that happens, so Doctor Ho the scientist that Zeta is there to see when we see him in this episode, he's just on a TV screen. Like he's just talking on a, a monitor. He's not actually there in person. Cause remember I noticed that because then that wall blows up, like the monitor blows up and behind that wall for some reason is like a, a carved out tunnel. It's like, where did that fucking tunnel come from? Matt Stan dug it. He, actually I could see him. Him and me. boom, boom. I could see him digging it, but like, I don't know. I love Matt Stan. I mean, He's, I was thinking about this of like, cause you know, we had, we had BTOS episodes where it was kind of the villain in the front yeah. and then the plot after. Yeah. Uh, and we had, you know, kind of not every villain had one of those, but we had a lot of villains that had that opportunity. Yeah. We've only had that with Mad Stan and beat in uh beyond. He's the only like, like uh non main reoccurring villain. Yeah, pretty much. He's just there when they need to have a villain. Yes, and that's very sad. It was nice to see the Jokers again, though. Yeah. I, I do like them. I, I Look, Matt Stan's a weird thing, because he's, he's basically just like an, an anti-vaxxer or a, a flat earther. Yeah. Or like a truther or one of these like weird, absurd internet people that now exist, mm-hmm. but this is from 20 years ago. Like He's just this ridiculous caricature, but I find him charming in his own weird way. And I actually think... Is it because he has a dog? It's probably because he has a dog. He's humanized by that dog. Yes. I actually think his plot for him is kind of genius. Like, it's dumb, but it makes sense for Matt Stan because his whole thing is he is leaving the scene of that attack on the science thingy and Zeta gets off a train and is immediately spotted by Agent Bennett and the NSA agents. And they almost capture him but the mad stan basically jumps in and like steals zeta because he's anti-fed yeah and then when he realizes that zeta's a robot he plants a bomb in him and sends it back out into the world but i thought what was so clever is he sends zeta out with a bomb attached to him and then he deliberately knocks himself out so he can't help the investigation at all yeah that was it was funny it's dumb it's but in so a perfectly dumb. mad stand dumb kind of way yeah like, in a way that it's so dumb it's kind of genius at the same time because it works like obviously batman still stops him but he can't get any information out of mad stand mm-hmm. like most people would still be around and try to hide and like would be susceptible to interrogation mad stand just knocks himself the fuck out yeah here's here's my other thing with this um they find out about the bomb 20 minutes oh it's so dumb <laughs> before it goes off I know. And then when he finally is like, hey, Bat, uh, you know, hey, Bruce, I need your help. Uh, I'm running out of time. How much time do you think was left at that point? 
Not much. Four minutes. Was that what it, it was? It was eleven fifty six when he's like, "Hey, Bruce, uh, I could use some help." Fully calm, still fully calm. Like, "Hey, I could use some help. Uh, what do you got for me? We're running, out of, we're running out of time." Like, yeah, you have four fucking minutes until a building is about to blow up. Also, have a little urgency about this, Terry. I mean. It's worth him having to have some urgency on this because a bomb is about to go off. He makes it seem like it's going to be this like city block destroying massacre. It's a tiny ass dinky little fucking bomb. Yeah. Because like obviously eventually he finds Zeta and they're at like with the, oh, it's like the public health building. And because they're, they're about to pass a bill that's going to uh, charge citizens more for owning pets. Exactly. Which that I loved that. That part was kind of clever. Yeah. So then Terry eventually does find Zeta and like, disconnects the bomb and throws it out a window and then it blows up and it's just like it's like an m80 it's mm-hmm. a tiny little bomb like it wouldn't even taken out a floor yeah and it didn't even break any of the windows next to the building that he threw it out of yeah like it would have done it would have blown up zeta but it would have done no damage to anything else just like what's the real threat here is this actually a threat no it's just like, oh. and i thought that was gonna yeah. be the end i was really excited because i'm like okay good this episode's over and i checked the time and there's still like three minutes left and i'm like fuck well, yeah, there's still a whole other plot because point Agent Bennett's got to show up using the tracer that was planted on the Batmobile and somehow not detected. Yeah. How like hasn't that happened before? Yes. Like multiple times. Didn't they even install some sort of like advanced security protocol on the Batmobile after ink slipped yes. into it? I was just about to bring that up. Yes. I think that's just for ink, though. It's, it's an ink specific uh, radar detector it, it can only detect the increased weight of a gelatinous human yes. not of a small tracking sensor puck right god damn it but yeah no they have to show up so then zeta can get away by disguising himself as batman and terry can be like i don't know i'm the janitor don't arrest yeah. me don't shoot me you know he, i just realized this you know why this episode feels so much worse than the other ones mm. there's no uh like climactic battle no, the, the only fight is the very beginning. It's not a very good fight. Yeah, between uh, Mad San and, and Terry, and then there's no more fighting in this episode. No, it's all just kind of garbage. Yes, it's just a lot of bad dialogue. Oh, now we have to like spend at least a few months. Hey, we we don't have to talk about it until we can legally find it. We can though. It's available for. It's on DVD. Oh, I know both seasons. Uh, I think so. Oh. I know. I'm going to take care of that this week. <laughs> uh, let me see if I, uh... I'm sorry, Maddie. I know you really want to bring back Zeta and we'll, we'll, we'll contribute to your bring back Zeta campaign, but I still just can't get over oh. Bruce running out of time. There's four fucking minutes four, on the clock. Four minutes left. It's so, it's so bad. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I enjoyed having the Jokers back very briefly. Joker's always fun. Bruce Tim voiced one of the main Jokers in this one too. Good. Always good to get a Bruce Tim cameo. Um, Why didn't we see more of them? I don't know. Cause they were so fun and charming. It's a great idea. Yeah. It's a, like, it's a really interesting way to bring one of those villains into the future. It makes plausible sense that like disillusioned, ignorant youths would rally around this yeah, no, it's legendary the same, it's figure. Just, yeah. It's the same way, you know, people wear the, like the, the guy Fox stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Or you even look at um, like in the, it's similar to like the dark Knight returns mm-hmm. where, I mean, those are all mutants, but then as soon as Batman shows up and takes the mutant leader, they all ride around him and become like, you know, his, yeah, his the, bat the army. Ag- yeah. The, you know, there's they have a name though, don't they? Yeah, I don't remember what it is though. Yeah. 
but it's kind of a cool idea. And you kind of wonder like, well, why weren't the Jokers just the, like the go-to, like in the same role, the Mad Stan films? Yeah, exactly. Like you feel like they could have done more of them. Like they had they their- They did in season one. Yeah, they, they, they were there. kind of always just like a looming presence. Yeah, like they did have the episode Joyride, which wasn't very good with the, the military shit. But you kind of like the idea of just having them because they took the around. place of um, kind of the the mafia leaders. Yeah, of um, of Betos. Yeah, exactly. And they never really got a great story uh, in the continuation comics that came out afterwards. There's a whole arc where a Joker's king emerges mm-hmm. and actually organizes all the Jokers. That's a really good story. Like, shit actually gets really, really crazy. Okay. Because um, you get the idea, like, oh, if someone could actually organize these these kids, it could be really, really dangerous. Yeah. But yeah, you kind of feel like they got a little bit short-shrifted in the show. Well, I feel like, because there was, there was the Jokers that played a big part. There was the T's. Which was the rival gang. Oh, yeah, gang. in like two episodes. Yeah, and then there were the Splicers, which is a whole other gang. There were three gangs introduced in the show, which are all very interesting groups. Yeah, let's bring on more Splicers. Yeah. I mean, so we are going to get more stuff with the Jokers slash Splicers in Return of the Joker. Yes, and I have such a like specific memory of that group Yeah, that I thought they were, I, cause I, I don't ever remember finishing return of the Joker, Oh, it's so but I, good. I remember those characters so much that I, I thought they were in the series. Right. Yeah. And I've like, since season one, I was always so excited to find them. Yeah. For realizing they don't exist yet. I, I forgot too, that they're only in that movie. Yeah. Um, cause they're so cool. Like those are great character models. Yeah. Again, Michael Rosenbaum mm-hmm. back in action. Also, uh, do you remember who voices Dee Dee? Tara Strong. No. Okay. Melissa Joan Hart. Oh, oh great choice. Ah, love movies of Melissa Joan Hart. Mm-hmm. Okay, anything else on Countdown? I don't think so. All right, well, let's segue. Oh, oh yeah, my, my last point is uh, he spends, uh, you know, at the very end, Terry spends a very unnecessarily long time watching uh, Zeta and Ro just walk off into the distance. And my thought is like, you know, you still have to go arrest Mad Stan, Terry. Yeah, he's still just like conked <laughs> out on his, on his boat. Yeah. Uh, or you didn't handcuff him or anything. He could just, nope. he could just drive away. Yeah. He just leave. Terry. <laughs> God damn it. So slacking. Um, okay. So. No wonder he always escapes. Terry just forgets about him. just forgets him. to arrest him. Yeah. Uh, all right. So now we're on to Unmasked. Yeah. Where we, the- we meet, we reach a new level of a villain death. Where uh, Terry just let the villain kill himself. Could he really stop? I mean, he probably could have stopped him. Yeah, he, he, probably, could, he probably could. He have has a him. fucking grappling hook. Yeah, that he uses multiple times to grab people. So there, uh, <laughs> look. Okay, at its core, there is an interesting idea here. So the, yes. The idea of this episode is basically to answer the question: Why won't Terry tell Dana? Yes. That he's Batman. And it's basically the answer to that is it's just too dangerous. It's the obvious answer, but there has to be this whole anecdote around it. So the framing device, which is arguably even stupider than the narrative they're telling is they're like setting up the homecoming dance at the high school. And Nelson Nash makes some comment about how, you know, Batman did Terry's job for him. And Terry's like, wait, why did he do that? And Max's like, oh, I may have made a joke about how we see more of Batman around here than you. I may have made a joke and I told people that you're, you're Batman. Batman. It's like, that's 
my problem with that is that's so uncharacteristic of exactly. Max. Like Max has made mistakes in the past, but when she's made those mistakes, they've been like genuine slip ups or because she was trying to do something helpful and kind of did the wrong way. Yeah. This is just her being dumb and that's just lazy writing. It, this feels like an episode that you would see in like a 90s teen sitcom of like, like this is like a weed PSA episode. Yeah, pretty much. Because mm-hmm. even like the, the moments, because it's all in flashback. Yeah. Um, uh, and the moments when they come back and, and, uh, and uh, Max is like, oh, that's all that happened? And he's like, oh, just you wait. Hang on. Yeah. There's more. There's more. It's like, and then I found a doobie. It's like, <gasps> what? In your locker? Yeah, let me tell you about it. Da 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 da. And then flashback. What's that music from? I don't know. But that, sh- that's like, that was the pacing of this episode. No, it's, it's like it's really dumb. Yeah. So he's basically. Like, like, he was found with what in his locker? Yeah. And she's like, why is that just a big deal if, like, the petty bully at the school knows that you're Batman? It'd be so much better if more people knew that you were Batman. Like, I don't know, say your girlfriend. Why didn't you tell her? It's like, well, hang on. Sit down, Max. Let me tell you a tale. About this one very specific situation very- where clearly Dana's going to go to the cops or go to the press and be like, I know what, I know what Batman's face looks like. <sighs> yeah, because so then they, you know, like, woo, woo, woo. Yeah. We go back to the past. And... Right from the beginning, it's very confusing. He says, this is right after I became Batman. Yes. But at the same time, he's talking about the Cobra Gang, which wasn't introduced till many, many years later. <laughs> yep. And when they were introduced, like, and it also was... years is, is hard to say, because they're still in high school. That's true. So it's maybe a year. I, f- I feel like by the time we get to the end of this, he's maybe been Batman for, like, two years. I think t- t- two years, that's the max he could probably be Batman. Because I think he's a sophomore yeah. in episode so one. maybe he's a senior by now. Yeah. So, but... The, the Cobra Gang is introduced much later on, and when they're introduced, like, it's a big deal. Like, oh, this is now the Cobra Gang. But again, the Cobra Gang here is basically filling in for a Mad Stan or for a Joker's, but they had to be at least somewhat intelligent and have access to weird mind-reading headgear technology. Hey, here's an idea. We have a villain that is all about, like, mind control already. Oh, there's that. Why not have this be a Spellbinder episode? Uh, that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably what they should have done. Or do it in the same way that there was the um, the Hugo Strange episode of BTOS, where Strange figures out the identity and is selling the information. Yeah. And then you can bring... It's the final episode. They didn't know it's the final episode. Yeah. But if they did, they had that foresight. Um, you bring in all the other villains competing to like to earn that knowledge. Yeah. You know, bring in uh, Shriek, bring in Ink, uh, bring the Jokers back, bring the... And T's don't really matter. No, they don't really matter. Um, uh, but, well, the stalker ended on kind of a good note. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we, we bring have... Bring back that mud guy. <laughs> no, he died. Never mind. Um, oh, the... Uh, Willie uh, Watts. Yeah, yeah, him. Uh, yeah, there, like, there's people that are still around. You yeah. know, I feel like after... Um, after what's his face, the not atomic skull, atomic skull, blight, blight. Um, after blight left, I felt like there was there's just such a void for a villain. Yeah, and they just never were able to put you know put something back in there. No, because like in season two, they introduced the splicers right up front, but they're not really an organized. They're not a, a sole villain with that sort of like you know continuing arc. And then I think it's season three they introduced Cobra. Yeah, uh, maybe the end of season two. It doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, like they, they really let themselves down by getting rid of blight so early. Cause you needed some sort of like recurring mm-hmm. strong. You have antagonist. the fucking Royal flush gang. 
Yeah, but they, they actually kind of paid that off pretty well. They though. did. They, yeah. They, they, put a little bit of diversity and like they mix up their narrative as they went along. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, basically but this, is, this is a flashback. This is a flashback. And basically yeah. what happens like this one kid who's got this action figure that he really loves. Doesn't That's want to social- not GI Joe. No, it's far, far, far from GI Joe. He doesn't want to hang out the other kids. So he like goes to the top of this random tower, which gets hit by a wayward missile as the Cobra guys are trying to escape from Batman. I do at the start of this episode, I do really appreciate. We finally see like, uh, like the outcome of collateral damage. Yeah. Because there's always like rockets oh God, flying so everywhere much, and yeah. buildings just blowing well, up. Like even in the last episode, the first time Bennett sees Zayd is like, get him. And they just shoot a missile into the middle of a subway station. Yeah. So fucking dumb. But yeah, basically this kid is on top of this tower that's collapsing. Batman goes to save him. And of course he walks up to the kid in the most intimidating way possible by walking through fucking fire yeah, through fire and has this this pose of just like he's so tired of this shit yeah, it's like this hulking yeah yeah he, he kind of his shoulders stance. like his shoulders locked forward he's like hunching yeah he has like a, a rough gravel in his voice for some reason come here you little shit yeah that's exactly what he's doing he's like i got other shit to do kid just fucking get over here <sighs> and yeah no shit this kid is terrified of him yeah and so the kid doesn't want to come along, and so Terry is like, He's like All right. "Hey, I'm a fucking good guy, man. Yeah. Like, give me your fucking hand. I'm gonna help you. You can trust me. You can trust me. You've only seen me on the news killing people. Yeah, let me just retract my talons here. Uh, yeah. So Terry takes off his mask to the kid, like, "Look, I'm just a normal person. Yeah, don't worry." And the kid's like, oh, "Okay, fine. I'll go along with you." And then he's like, oh, on the news, like, "Oh yeah, like Batman, just a normal guy. When do you see him without his mask on?" And then. Cobra Commander, whatever the fuck his name is, like, oh, I mean, that's that, G.I. Joe. Doesn't matter. <laughs> that kid has seen Batman with his mask on. Is that why Cobra's the villain of this episode? Yes. Because it's a G.I. Joe metaphor. Yes, exactly. It's all G.I. Oh, Joe. Now I like this episode. Yeah, exactly. The kids that, at- that, was, that was the thing that was really hanging me up, was like, why did they choose Cobra? Now that it makes sense, this is, this is a good episode to me. The kid's actually Destro. Yeah. Yes. And uh, Terry can't tell Dana because she's actually the Baroness. Mm-hmm. And... Storm shadows in there somewhere. I'm, you you've already listed more than I remember. I'm, I'm trying. I'm really trying. I'm, I'm I'm going back to the. Which one was Channing Tatum? Uh, he was Duke. Okay. The good guy. Yes, I knew that. Yeah, and everyone thinks Snake Eyes is the bad guy because he looks like a bad guy. No, he's a good guy. But he's a good guy. Yeah. Storm Shadow is his evil counterpart. That's Cobra. The, the white one. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then the Baroness was played by Sienna Miller. Yes. Cobra Commander was Justin Gordon Levitt, which is still crazy to me. And then Destro oh, right. was Chris Eccleston. Uh, and who was um, the guy from The Rookie? Oh, Dennis, Dennis Quaid? Quaid. <laughs> Dennis Quaid? Oh, it, I don't know. I need, to, I need to pick a different movie because every time I forget his name, I'm like, oh, yeah, the guy from The Rookie. That movie everyone has clearly I, seen. I saw The Rookie. It was good. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah. But apparently no one saw that movie. What? They're, they're wrong. Yeah. Um, God. I mean, oh, well, Dennis Quaid, The Parent Trap. Oh yeah, He's the dad and the parent trap mm-hmm. is your best. That's your go-to answer right there. Uh, yeah, because I, I say the rookie, and then people don't know that, and then I'm like, oh, uh, uh, what's the fuck it? The movie where it's uh, a bomb goes off and it's seven different perspectives. Vantage point. Yes. <whistles> yeah, that's my second choice. Never <laughs> seen. I've, ne- I've never <laughs> seen Vantage Point, but somehow I, I still knew what you were talking about. Yeah. Uh, you could also reference him as the. Like human lead in that my dog is constantly dying and getting reincarnated movie. Yeah. God, those movies fucking Dog suck. Death, the movie. Yeah. Um Perpetual Heartbreak every ten minutes. I hate that movie. I hate those series. Did you watch those? No. 
Who would? Man, they did. Someone did because they got a second uh, sequel. Fucking Middle America religious people. Goddamn Middle America. Um, so Dennis Quaid. What's Dennis Quaid doing this episode? Oh no, Cobra. It's Cobra. <laughs> Cobra, Cobra yeah. Commander is like, we must get him. Yes. And so they go and. Uh, oh, they also have a device that where they. Uh, it's not. It's not mind control, but it's a mind reading device. Yeah, it visualizes your thoughts. Very specific. Very, very. Because they use it to uh, uh, to reveal who's the mole inside Cobra. He's not even a mole. He's just like some idiot who like told his brother like, yeah, hey, it, it's get, a guy who was caught insider trading. Get, get your money out of the bank. We're gonna go hit that shit. Not rather than just like your money's insured. Yeah. Why don't you maybe not at this point? I, I, I could just, really just give you some of the money that we're gonna steal, plus mm-hmm. you'll get your money back because it's insured. Yeah, it doesn't matter. None of this matters. Um, but so Bruce points out to Terry, like, people are gonna be after this kid now. So he's following the kid along to protect him, and then Cobra attempts to kidnap the kid. Terry stops them, but then some cops show up, and Terry's like, Oh, cool, like, go along with the cops, kid. So, hey, Bruce, thanks for calling. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because here's the other big thing about that, where yeah. he just hands the, the, the kid off to the police. Minutes before that, uh, Terry says he is five houses away from his house. Oh, good point. Yeah. And I think they drive in the wrong direction. Probably. Mm-hmm. But why are they even driving him five houses? <laughs> you can see his house. Yeah, he can just wait around. Just walk. Okay, keeps going, keeps going, stop. He gets out of the car. Okay, kid's safe. Oh, they didn't. They didn't stop. Bruce, they didn't stop the car. <laughs> they just kept going. Maybe they're going to go get ice cream. They're probably going to go get they're ice cream. They're probably getting ice they're cream. Good, they're good cops. They're going to go get some ice cream. Yeah. But no, of course, the cops are Cobra, too. Mm-hmm. So Cobra Cop takes him to Cobra Commander. Mm-hmm. They put him in the Cobra helmet. And then Cobra Kai shows up. Exactly. <laughs> good old Billy Zapka shows up. Yeah. But yeah, and they, they, they see a face emerge through the kids' memories. We don't see what that face is. Yes. But they record it, and they're like, all right, this has been uploaded now to every Cobra website on the web, mm-hmm. the internet <clears throat> yes. thing. Every Cobra message board. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> every Cobra subreddit now has it up there. Yes. Um, and then Terry shows up to save him. I don't even remember how he figured out where they were. It doesn't really matter, does it? Oh, um, God. Uh, Bruce is like, oh, every cop car has a unique GPS tracking. That's right. Uh, can you remember the numbers? He's like, no. But the Batmobile does. Uh, and so they have to rewatch the footage a few times. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand why he doesn't pause it the first time he watches it. He watches and, it like four times. And hence. Yeah. And hence, uh, and so they find the number of the cop car, uh, and they go to the cop car, and he's like, "Oh shit, they ditched the cop car," and I don't remember what happened between point A, point C, and point fucking Q. I don't know. I I'm gonna be honest. I wasn't paying super close attention <laughs> uh, during this this episode. Um, I do have a note here: rocket dart gun. Yeah. At one point, one of the <laughs> one of the cover guys shoots at Terry with a it was like a Nerf gun, basically that has four. Like rocket darts on it. Mm-hmm. The, they don't explode when they hit things. Like they're just darts, but they're yeah. the size and shape of rockets. Yeah, they're they're yeah. You're right. They're giant nerf. It's a giant nerf gun. Yeah, I assume they're filled with poison, and I think yeah. that's the thing because because they're like, oh, we have a. Uh, they, he kills a kid. Hold on, hold on. Now I'm I'm rethinking of this fight scene. Um, Terry kills a guy in front of the kid. No, it's it the the. 
poison the poison tipped claws on the Cobra guys are enough to like knock someone out, not to kill them. Cause they're going to, that's what he told the kid. They're going to like, well, he's no, going to wake up sometime. Well, no, kid. Don't worry. Cause they they were, need, he's going to wake up. It's okay. <laughs> they need the kid alive. This is before they actually kidnapped the kid. They haven't taken him yet yes. to the hideout. So they need him alive in order to read his brain. So it would have just knocked him out. No, but they, they only used the, the knives on Terry on Batman. No. Cause the guy walks up to like, Miguel. Okay, I think yeah, he's yeah. the kid. And he's like, chink, I'm going to poke you with my. Okay. You're right. You're right. Fangs. So then Terry uses them on him. But I, it's, like, I like it's too to think, violent to show that. So they have to like, cut away. Yeah. I like to think more that he just fucking murdered a kid in front of this, or murdered a guy in front of this kid. He probably kid. did. I mean, Terry loves to kill people. I mean, the kid did watch a guy, you know, commit suicide. Well, yeah. So Terry eventually is able to like save the kid, but obviously Cobra's like, we've already won. Yeah. I'll be, we, a, we have the video. I'll be a martyr for my, for my Lord. Yeah. So then Cobra commander jumps into a snake pit, mm-hmm. even though he's alive. In a subsequent episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, an episode set after this. But also before this. But yeah, that aired before this, set after this. Yes. But he's alive again still. Um, and then... It's the, all just garden snakes. Like, that's what they don't tell you. <laughs> yeah. None they, of them are poisonous. They don't even like to attack people. They only yeah. do it and they feel threatened. Yeah. It's, it's more that... It's more just uncomfortable, really. Yeah. Like, it's just a pit they stole from the Fear Factor set. Yeah. It's like, ooh, yeah. so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to. You just have to stay there for like twenty minutes before someone's like, "All right, here's a rope." He's like, right, you're good. Yeah, uh, you learned your lesson. You've made it through this challenge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then it's revealed that the kid was actually imagining his action figure's face on Terry's face. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, the kid just like swaps one face out for another. He didn't remember who I actually was. Max, like, oh well, how do you know? Well, that's that kid right there. I just gave him a soccer ball back. He doesn't remember me. Kid looks back, winks. Yeah, yeah, but oh god, it's fucking. No, like, hey Terry, how about you stop showing up in front of the kid so he doesn't see his face? He recognizes. Like, keep seeing it again and again. Like, I I think the really dumb thing too is that the whole setup of this was him explaining why he could never reveal to Dana who he is. They never tie that back. (laughs) Yeah, they never come back to it. Like to your point, Dana would handle the situation entirely different. Like, even if they had a line where Max goes, "Well, yeah, but like that's a kid," Dana's gonna do, you know, not gonna react the same way. Terry can be like, well, but still, it's not worth the risk. What Terry should actually be saying is, well, it's not worth the risk because I'm a terrible boyfriend. Eventually, she'll break up with me and tell people that I'm Batman. Yeah. And also all the photos of, like, Batman with Ace. Yeah, exactly. This dog that everyone knows. They're hanging no, out with Max. Uh, female Ace. Royal Flush Game Ace. Ten. Ten. It's ten. Terry yeah. with ten. Yeah. Yeah, the fact he's constantly cheating on her. Yeah. With ten or Bubble Girl. Mm-hmm. He's a terrible boyfriend. He is. He's a really awful boyfriend. He, I think he just thrives on on keeping secrets from her. That's true. I think he's just an asshole. Yeah, I mean, it's, he a, it's is, a power thing. He, it's, yeah. he, he feels more powerful knowing he has more information than her. Yeah. Because he can't kill people all the time. Right. I mean, that's the most power he ever feels when he takes a life. Yeah. He takes or a human life. someone just take their or life. Or just watches someone and doesn't bother to grapple them to safety, maybe. Yeah. Bruce, I'm sorry I couldn't do anything. <laughs> oh, God. Terry, you could have, you pushed him. I saw you just push him. <laughs> okay. How? He I mean, slipped. Sorry, Bruce. Wasn't my fault. So you, you already threw out a, uh, a potential alternative way to do this. Like, say there's they, a million ways you could do say this Say they're actually going to do a finale. How would you do it? Um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll keep the same idea. Okay. I, I do think what I pitched before is would have been a very interesting episode. You, you remake the Hugo Strange episode. Yeah. Where Spellbinder... Where you just you just bring back 
because you know this rogues gallery is not as well known as as Btos's rogues gallery, mm-hmm. and I think if you brought them all back, it would have been a great like, oh yeah, that guy kind of episode. Yeah. Um, in 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 um. In kind of the same way that that's all of Justice League Unlimited. It's the, oh, yeah, it's that person. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that it's, cowboy it's, it's, guy. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's Vigilante. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a Shining Knight. Yeah. Uh, it took me so long to learn their names. <laughs> they're ridiculous. Uh, and they show up so much, those two. Yeah, they're a lot. They're a lot, yeah. Um, but, yeah, if you if you would have done kind of like a Spellbinder, uh, it's like, I have, I have uncovered uh, Batman's identity. Oh, I guess they did this episode already. God damn it. Which one? Um, where it was the the news reporter who could go through walls? Oh yeah, they kind of did it already. All right, I'll I'll, re- I'll think this over. What, how would you do it? Oh, I don't know. I just wrote the question down. I didn't actually. Okay, that's fine. You're better coming up with these things than <laughs> I am. You always have been. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think again, let's say you want to run the same idea. Mm-hmm. Like, say that we're gonna end this thing relatively early. Like, we're ending it relatively early in Terry's career. So we have to explain. We have to imply going forward why he's not going to reveal his identity further. First of all, I think I think at the end of the episode, Dana should figure it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that like he should graduate? Something like that. I love graduation episodes, I specifically know. the Kim Possible one. I vaguely recall that episode. It's great, and it's fucking heartwarming as shit. <laughs> Feel free to watch it. Um, I I have like I'm such a sucker for graduation finales. Yeah. Um, Because I remember very vividly the Sweet Life finale where they graduate from from the the school, from the the boat school, uh, was the same day I graduated high school. And I cried more in the TV episode than I did at my own graduation. Uh, I cared more. (laughs) Cameron, I think you have just summarized yourself. Yes. In a moment. I have. Many times over. How do you feel about that? Fine. Fine. Okay. I know who I am. All right. Let's, uh, I just want the world to know who I am. Let's just scoot on past that. I, okay. I, here's maybe what I would do a little bit differently is maybe not make it about this topic, but maybe it's kind of like the, the classic finale of are they going to be moving or not? Like they did this for like home improvement with the same thing. Like, are they going to move or not? Like it's mm-hmm. one of those situations like Mary gets a really good job offer on like the West coast. Yeah. Right somewhere really far away. And so it's like, oh, and maybe Terry is still in school. They still have, I don't know, like a few more months to go or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or Yeah, because homecoming is usually in the fall. Yeah, exactly. So this is the start of a year. Start of a year. And so, you know, and maybe it happens to fall around like, you know, he's been Batman for like a year, year and a half or something like that, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it comes down to like Mary basically decides like there she's going to move the family and Terry has to realize, well, what do I do about this? Like, do is this a chance for me to actually walk away? Like to have a reason to walk away from this life and to go and live a better one. Mm-hmm. Um, you and- even start the episode off where he is... Um, he he stopped he has stopped complaining about yeah. his his normal life. He's fully taken on the Batman role. Yeah. Where he is doing patrol without being asked. He is uh, you know, we see him get a call from Dana and he just kind of ignores it and Bruce is or, like, "Hey, or, you know, like or, or maybe you, even he's kind of got the balance down a little bit better at this point. Like he's yeah. kind of finally started to get into a groove where he can manage all these things simultaneously and then the rugs pulled out from underneath him and yeah it's like well we're gonna be moving and he has to decide like oh do i find a reason to stay like is this a chance for me to 
like go and be with my family? Mm-hmm. Um, what do I do? And ultimately it's him realizing that he's like, maybe he decides he's going to stay. And then Mary's like, actually, no, I decided I'm going to keep my job and we're all going to stay here too. Yeah. Um, well, cause then you, then you get the goodbyes, you know, it's how, how does he, you know, cause I feel like Max would be like, Hey, I'll fill in while you're gone. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, him kind of ignoring Bruce. Cause that's like the hardest one for him to say goodbye to. Yeah. Saying goodbye to Max, you know, having to deal, you know, then you can even bring up the same questions. Like, do I tell Dana now? Like, is this my this way? This is of- what, yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I haven't been there for you. And here's why. Yeah. Or maybe they end up do moving and he ultimately decides like he's going to stay. And he basically has to tell his mom, like, there's a really good opportunity for here for me to stay with, with Mr. Wayne and like become part of his company or whatever. Mm-hmm. I have to go. And it's like, it ends with him at Wayne Manor. Yeah. Like living in Wayne Manor now, which I think is something that actually did happen at one point in the continuation comics, but I don't know. That could have been interesting. Here, here's a it. pitch for you that I'd be very curious. Cause I feel like this would be a hilarious setup for a shittier show. Okay. Um, he moves, uh, he moves to a new town mm-hmm. and he finally he moved to Bel Air. I was going to say Bloodhaven. <laughs> Uh, where or uh, you know he finally says goodbye to Bruce and Bruce is like oh you know you never actually told me where you're going, uh, and then it's then it's all voiceover and you see the car then it, then it's kind of the Bel Air setup you see the car pull up to a new mansion, uh, and you find out the mom, uh, the mom's new job is under uh, Dick Grayson, Dick Grayson. Mm-hmm. and he just has to go and work in a new city. I'm totally on board. Yeah, I think there's a lot of ways it could have gone with it that would have been better. Um, we will discuss epilogue when we get to epilogue because that is still at the end of the day a JLU episode. Yes, and then of course we'll be talking about uh, Return of the Joker next week, which is so good. Yes, I'm very excited to to watch that again. It's it's I mean it's up there with it's it's like just Phantasm. behind Phantasm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not as good as Phantasm, but it's pretty damn close. Yeah. Oh yeah, because I, I I can I I see the laugh so vividly right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's. I'm really excited about that. It's really good. Uh, any yeah. other thoughts on this garbage pail? Uh, if anyone else has any ideas of how they should have ended this episode, how it should have ended? Yeah, uh, I'd love to know because I love theorizing that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Send a send us a send note. us your script for, send for us, your send us your pitch. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we do have a, a a quick note from friends. If okay. I if I may move us along here. Yes, you may. Um, I will allow it. <laughs> So, like as I mentioned, been having lovely chats with uh, with Ashley Clark about Avengers and um, what else we were talking about, oh, Robert Pattinson and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is something I thought you would in particular appreciate. So, uh, Reinka Customs, and again, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that name wrong, uh, but he sent us an article from Wired, which is the tricky physics of how the Avengers managed to fly. And <gasps> he, he said he saw that and immediately thought of you. Yes. And I actually, I, I did read through the article today. Okay. And it basically breaks down the forms of flying into three categories. Okay. So there's... Do uh, they talk about how uh, Captain, Amer- or Captain Marvel should be flying like a, like a dolphin and not like, like no. how she does? Okay. No, I'm sorry. It doesn't get into that level of detail. Because uh, it basically says that some characters fly with wings. So like the Falcon, for example, just yes. has wings. He has a jetpack that allows him to like move fast enough so that, you know, it creates the Bernoulli effect and he flies in traditional mm-hmm. fashion. There's the magic character. So... Uh, Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, Vision, Scarlet Witch, who have no, like, discernible physical means of propulsion. It's just, like, somehow it works magic. Yeah. And the last one is... I uh, I wouldn't include Captain Marvel in that. I feel like she's her own category. That's that's not magic that's superhuman. But, yeah, but it's, like, it's, it's it's kind of, like, 
science slash magic. But like, we don't really understand the physics of what she's doing. She's yeah. like propelling herself. Mm-hmm. We don't know. How does it work? Why doesn't she fly like a dolphin? That's a great question. And here's my 17 answers for that. Right? The 17 point plan. Uh, and the last version is using thruster packs. So like uh, Iron Man. A Star Lord and Iron Man, that sort of thing. And yeah. The bulk of the article breaks down into like the, the physics of those jetpack boosters. But I just thought that was a super fun article in general. Okay. I feel like those would make sense for the most part. Yeah. It just I feel it, like Iron Man's flight makes sense. Thor's flight makes sense because he's not really flying. Yeah. It, yeah, like Thor was one of those like magic ones. Yeah. No, the article basically just breaks down like what the actual physics of it are, like how the thrust pack would break down into like X and Y components and mm-hmm. the force of gravity, all that sort of stuff. Kinematics, that sort of stuff that I yeah. I used to know more about that I don't anymore. Um, but uh, I thought that was super fun. So yeah, yeah, I would love to go through that article. Uh, and then what are your plugs this week? So it's been a long oh, we time. We have a lot of plugs, yes. A lot of plugs. I think I have a whole bunch of personal ones that I'm going to maybe save for next week because okay. you and I have each seen three big movies that we will, I know we want to talk about, but we're not going to do full episodes on. Yes. Do you want to get your other plug in real fast? Uh, yeah, I, I have two quick plugs. Okay. Um, first, the movie Booksmart. Desperately I've, I've talked to you about this every single day since I saw it. I know. I really need to go see it. I, I really want to. Uh, we, we've had many conversations between you, me, and Shane about uh like the fall of the the studio comedy yeah um and because basically our, our argument is the last good wait what was my bet oh if uh something about oh no it's in the joker movie that's right in the joker if at the end of the oh, movie yeah, yeah, yeah. he kills thomas and martha wayne mm-hmm then you have to admit... Nothing, no, no, nothing happens. If he doesn't... Because I'm saying he will. If he doesn't kill Thomas and Martha Wayne... You have to admit the hangover studio comedy. I have to admit the hangover studio comedy, yes. yes. So our argument is kind of the last uh, successful studio comedy that's come out was, what, 21 Jump Street? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. fair. Which was you know, 2010, 2011. Like yeah. Um, well, I mean, Game Night was pretty successful. That's true. Yeah. But was it a studio comedy? <laughs> you said it a bit. <laughs> Uh, I, I will say that, um, uh, book smart is super bad 2.0, but it's, it's an indie comedy though. Fuck off. <laughs> no, it is. It is. Like, yes. wait. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, uh, it's Orion. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. an indie. It's yeah. Yeah. You bastard. <laughs> um, but this movie is so good. Everyone needs to see this film. The whole cast is just so I've used this word a few times today, but charming. Okay. Everyone in there, like, no one feels like a bad person in this movie. Even the bad people, like, have redeeming factors. All the good people have, you know, have failures. It's so good. I want everyone, I want every actor in this movie to do well in the next few years of Hollywood. Okay, it was produced by Annapurna. Sorry, that's who it was, yeah. And Gloria Sanchez. I mean, Annapurna is, like, a mini studio. Mm -hmm. They're not on the same level as, like, the big... Four, five now. Disney, mm-hmm. Sony, Universal, Warner Brothers, Paramount. Okay, five. Okay, five. They're mm-hmm. not like on the same level as the big five. Yeah. So, sorry. Continue. Okay. No, that that was pretty much it. Uh, I wanted to plug that. Everyone needs to see that as soon as possible. Uh, also, it's I think outside of uh, Will Smith and not Will Smith, uh, Will Will Ferrell and Adam McKay, uh, it's a full female uh, production. Writer, oh, okay. uh, writers, female, directors, female. Most of the producers are female. It's the directorial debut of Olivia Wilde, Wilde which is and pretty cool. Yeah, she does great. 
Um, yeah, writers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all yeah four credited female writers, female director, female cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm super excited about this. I'm yeah. really, really excited. I, def- <clears throat> I really want to go see it. Yeah, I mean, I, I will see it a few times because it, it's that good. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's kind of what I wanted eighth grade to be. So take like the best parts of eighth grade and just remove all the cringe. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, eighth grade is so real. It's yeah. Too, it's uncomfortably real. And th- this is just like such a great interpretation of high school. Yeah. Uh, so I want to promote that. And then um, acquaintance, acquaintance, very loose acquaintance to the podcast. Oh, yes. Uh, one of the guys that we used to do improv with, a, a wonderful man named Ryan Pig. Uh, he actually just got his first Netflix show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he started him and one of his friends, who I don't remember his name right now. Um, they started a show at Nerdist at, at Meltdown two or three years ago uh, called Historical Roast, which has been now picked up by Jeff Ross Yep, uh, and is a full-fledged, I think, 12-episode Netflix series. Yeah, it was like the banner show on Netflix this morning when I opened it yeah, up. Yeah, I know. I was, that's so exciting. It's I'm really so exciting. proud yeah. of that guy. Uh, but yeah, everyone go check out Historical Roast. Uh, the premise is, you know, the Comedy Central roasts that have been so popular over the past few years. They take that concept uh, and apply it to historical figures, uh, and it's great. Uh, I haven't watched an episode yet, but if it's anything like their live shows, it's going to be fucking awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it. Mm-hmm. I never went to one of those roasts. I was trying to go to one, and I missed out on the They, they did a... I, I went to one historical roast, and they started doing fictional roasts, which they still do. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been to one of each, and they're both just amazing they're so much fun yeah those are funny guys so well done them well done yeah i know ryan pig i'm very proud of you yeah excellent um okay and then you and i have each seen three major releases yes i don't know do we have time to talk about all of them uh i don't have a lot to say about i mean i only have a lot to say about one of them aladdin yes yeah Okay, so I'm gonna get out. I'm gonna prep my soapbox right now. Okay, so real quick, we'll go through. So, Detective Pikachu, we both saw it separately. Yes, I didn't have as much fun as I was hoping. Okay, I actually was having a hard time staying awake through a lot of it. But I saw it like 9:45 screening, and I had a cocktail beforehand, which was a mistake. Okay, um, it just it just wasn't that. I wanted it to be really really fun, and I thought it was just kind of meh. I think it's it's definitely more fun for you know bigger Pokemon fans, probably because for me a lot of the fun was just like. Okay, who is that? All right. Yeah, Ludicolo. All right. Apom. Got it. All right. Jigglypuff. Got it. Pikachu. Got it. Like, a lot of it was just, like, looking in the background of scenes. Yeah. And seeing who they snuck in there. Like, I loved that part of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the premise. You know, you have a city where Pokemon are treated not really as equals, but they're, you know, they're they're seen as... They're not a version like of fighting dogs, which is yes. how most of Pokemon uh, But also, they are... In, in a sense in a sense yeah <laughs> it's it's a weird it's a weird thing i love mr mime mr, mr. mime stuff was fun the psyduck stuff was fun mm-hmm. um i think ryan reynolds is great in it i think justice smith is pretty solid too i just i think it's more fun when ryan reynolds is there there was yeah. less of him than i was expecting mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know it's just i felt like it was kind of a series of kind of inconsequential set pieces on which some of were fun yeah like the the cage battle with charizard was i thought was pretty fun um the whole stuff out of that weird lab where like those what are those big like when the the it almost looks like inception-esque when like the mountains are coming up oh his name is pokemon yeah it doesn't matter 
I, I just it, I was really excited about that because I didn't really it's have Turtwig's any... final form, whose name I, I just can't remember his name right now. Okay, yeah, just, it didn't wasn't quite my jam. Mm-hmm. That's understandable. I mean, yeah, if I think the movie overall was just okay. Yeah, but I just had fun because it's Pokemon. I th- I think that world was fun enough for me that I would see something like that again. Yeah. So. Um, and then we both just went and saw John Wick last night. We did. We went into it thinking we might try and do an episode dedicated to it, mostly as an excuse to have Shane come back on because mm-hmm. we went all saw it together. I don't have that much to say about it, though. Yeah. Our our biggest complaint is just the ending, and I don't really want to get into that. So, I mean... Uh, it, spoilers. Yeah. Without saying spoilers, right before this movie came out, they confirmed they were making a John Wick 4. And which, is, which was upsetting because... I felt like this was going to be like a, an amazing tight trilogy. Yes. And you definitely get the sense that at the, the end, they made a sharp left turn, possibly the last minute in a rewrite. Yeah. And, and, the, and when we say the end, we're talking the last like three minutes of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So look, it's still super fun. I think it has some amazing set pieces. Oh, that first fight scene. Yeah. Holy like there's, shit. You know, the, the movie opens with John Wick trying to get out of New York mm-hmm. after he's been um, declared excommunicado. And that whole stuff is super fun. Yeah. There's a great sequence in uh, Casablanca mm-hmm. with Halle Berry's character and some like attack dogs that and, I and really Braun enjoyed. From, and, from yeah, Game of Thrones is in there with a the really know, bad Jerome French accent. Flynn is randomly in there. Um, and then the climactic battle didn't quite do it for me. It felt a little bit protracted. Yeah. Um, and the ending is kind of mad. I think I would argue it's probably the weakest I, of, I the, of the yeah, three overall. Absolutely. But that being said, if you're a fan of this movie, still go see it, especially for those early fight sequences, which are spectacular. Yeah. Like the, the, the theater we were in was just erupting with applause as, as they should be. Yeah. Cause it was super fun. Um, but yeah, not, not that much say for that movie other than I think if you like those movies, it's definitely worth seeing. It's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's see if we can try and do this in, Oh, the iPad died. That's 10 funny. minutes. Okay. 10 minutes. All right. Yeah, so I think we're about an hour and 20 right now. So, okay, you and I both went and saw Aladdin. We saw it together. We did. And in a bizarre reversal of circumstances, yes. I was beaming like a shit-eating, grinning idiot through the entire thing. I had so much fun with it. I really enjoyed it. I came out of it like, oh, that was so much fun. And you were sitting there just like, glaring (laughs) it was like we had swapped bodies basically and you didn't like it and i thought it was really really fun i i i've spent a lot of time thinking about it these past couple days um and i i literally set a timer on my phone so i will not talk longer than 10 minutes about this okay um yeah i i won't say that i hated the movie there's a lot of the movie i enjoyed there's there's kind of two aspects that that really pushed me the wrong way. Okay. Uh, the the main one being their treatment of Jasmine, uh, and and how they handled her character development and I would say lack of character development. Hmm. Um, and then uh, the Guy Ritchie problem, which for you wasn't was which the, is the opposite of every it, other Guy Ritchie. It wasn't problem. Guy Ritchie enough. For exactly. You. It's, it's, I think you were the one that said it to me. If, if his name was not at the beginning of the film, there's no way to tell this was a Guy Ritchie film. No. There were two, uh, side swipe transitions. That's far too less <laughs> for like, a Guy Ritchie film. But, so, I don't necessarily want that movie to be more Guy Ritchie-esque. Mm-hmm. I think that style works in some places. Like, so I was talking with, um, Gay Ford co-host, 
Jonathan James slash former guest of this podcast. Yes. Today we had lunch and we were talking about Aladdin and he was saying that for him, the musical numbers felt like they were directed, like they were action sequences, which I think is valid. Mm -hmm. I think there's some really brilliant choreography happening and I think their versions of those songs are pretty good, but the directing on it is not super consistent with, I think how you would normally shoot a musical. Yes. That being said, I didn't really want it to be more Guy Ritchie. I, so I just wanted a few things to be more Richie. Like what? Did you want like Vinny Jones voicing Iago being like, Oi! Uh, honestly, no. What I wanted is not the same theft shot for every every time someone took something from like someone else. Like the slow-mo, else. like it, It's the slow-mo thing, but no, it's, it's the worst part is where it's like where the thieving happens off screen. Oh, okay. Where, like, if you're going to do that, at least have the audience be misdirected. Where the audience is forced to look at one thing and it happens, you know, do like an actual magic trick mm-hmm. where you're forced to look at one thing and then you, you know, it's happening somewhere else. So then when you're rewatching the film, you can look for the actual magic. You know where it's happening. I think that's like when people do that well, it's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's, it's every time Aladdin takes something, um, it's it's uh it happens and then they they you know cut to aladdin and he's like i was like oh my bracelet he's you mean this bracelet it's like i took it from you off screen and he's like how did you do that he's like i'm i'm a thief professionally it's like i i can't explain it he's like yeah you can't explain it because you were just handed the bracelet from a pa (laughs) okay and it's very frustrating when they do that every like there were three things in a row that were stolen. And every time it was like, oh, you mean this loaf of bread? Oh, this bracelet? Oh, this necklace? I got them all off screen. It's very frustrating to me. You can make that so interesting. So I don't it care. doesn't have to be to the same level as like, um, okay. now you see me level so, of thieving. Cameron, I get what you're saying. Yes. I would also argue that I don't think many people are going into that movie going, I hope they do the thieving mechanics really, really well. No, it's people. (laughs) Okay. People are there for the songs. Yes. They're there for the dance numbers, the choreography, the brightness, the energy. I was there for a shirtless Jafar, which we kind of got. Could have used some shirtless Aladdin though. Uh, That's basically what they're there for. Mm -hmm. Like they're not there for that. You don't, I mean, it's not, it's not a thing to show up for. Like, this isn't a, like, I didn't, I wasn't expecting fucking, uh, Italian job, but I would still want them to think these things through, but I don't want it to be, I I don't want a lazy explanation for things. And that's what I felt like they did for a lot of this film. And, and you bringing up, you want like excitement and energy. I feel like this movie uh, they cut a lot of corners for that. I, I feel guess like it could I just, have been so much more fun. I just don't care about that, and I don't think most people do. Mm-hmm. Like I again, I didn't go in with high expectations. I had heard pretty good rumblings about it going in. I was mostly just looking to be entertained, and I was like, "We're not going to have the conversation about whether Disney should be doing these movies or not." That's, oh, I'll have that conversation. That's, that's Chris. a separate conversation. But the thing is, I still have five minutes. <laughs> they're going to do that, right? They're going to make these movies, and for me, as long as they are enjoyable. I'm fine with that. Like, I'm not really going to go back and watch this version of Aladdin rather than watching the cartoon. I'm just going to watch the damn cartoon. Mm-hmm. Same with Beauty and the Beast. Like, although I did really like the Cinderella version, which I think might be actually better than the animated version. Just saying. Okay. 
But for the most part, Mike, the this is just an exercise in money grabbing. What ultimately comes down to is there was probably a bunch of kids out there who had never seen Aladdin who really enjoyed this, and their parents got to go along and mostly enjoy it because it was like the movies they watched as a kid. And then now maybe those little kids like, oh, mom and dad, can we go home and watch the old version of Aladdin? I've never seen it. And they'll go watch like, oh, this is super good. Who's this Rob Williams guy? What? He's dead? What? It's so sad now. Yeah. Well, let me show you the birdcage. It's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. But Let me show you Fisher King. Fisher King, right? <laughs> oh, my God. So, I mean, look, I think they're super... I think it's just super fun and entertaining. Now, I want to talk about your problem with Jasmine. Yes. Though. Let's fucking go into this. Okay. My problem with Jasmine is... So, here, here's where I am starting off with, with this character. Yes. I have been watching Aladdin every month... For the past two years, because that is my job. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's I, worth I, clarifying you're doing this for work and not out of obsession. Yes. Maybe a little it, bit of it is, it is my job. I, I, don't, I, haven't, I don't think I've ever actually said my job on air. I, I run the, the, the princess account for, on Instagram, the Disney princess account on Instagram. Yeah. So I, I am uh, forced into rewatching the princess films uh, on repeat. Forced. Yes. I, I do it with a smile. But but that is, that is my my uh, my job. You're like that Treehouse of Horror where Homer Simpson keeps getting fed donuts by the <laughs> devil. Uh, that's not a Treehouse of Horror, but that is a great joke. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and so I specifically have to watch Jasmine's character development in that movie because that's what we promote. It's all you know. The Princess Account is all about uh, uh, dream big. Yeah. Is, is the tagline dream big princess? Um, and so in that. I'm coming from a perspective where I know her character development through and through in the animated series. And I think contemplating a lot of what happened in the new version, I think the reason it, it feels not as strong is they didn't make the Sultan the comic relief like they did in the animated one. Right. In the animated one, Jasmine is basically a rival consultant or is it consultant to rival Jafar? But I don't remember that. Where does that happen? In the beginning. Be more specific. Uh, the Sultan, or sorry, uh, Jafar would, would pitch an idea and then Jasmine would be like, you're fucking crazy. Uh, and she would, you know, she was the one that would snap him out, you know, snap Sultan out of his trance when she's in the city with Aladdin. Uh, when she has to do that jump, they, re- they recreated the jump. Yeah. Um, she didn't need... You know, she actually jumps before Aladdin. She just does it, yeah. Yes, because she's a fucking powerful woman. Okay, but that's not the same as her having being a consult. I don't remember her ever being a consultant to the Sultan. I remember her basically standing in a room with a bunch of men deciding her fate, being like, "You're a bunch of men deciding my fate." Yes, they didn't use her signature line, which is I'm not uh, a prize to be won. Yes, her one fucking line. But again, her trajectory in this is a lot different. Like. In that movie, it was basically about her... In the original cartoon, it was about her not being just sold off to someone for the sake of, like, political gain. Like, she was a person who had her own wants and desires, and she wanted to marry for love. Mm-hmm. I would say the new movie's more progressive because it's not about her wanting to do anything out of love. It's she wants to be in control of her own life. Specifically, she wants... Is this kind of spoilers? No. Okay. To. She it's wants... Movie, yeah. yeah, she wants to be Sultan. Yes. I think that's a much more interesting arc for her. And I agree with you that I think the character in the cartoon has a bit more like fizzle and pop Mm -hmm. and energy. She has has a little more sass to her. She has a little more sass to her. So she has like more character, but she has far less to do. And she actually objectively in terms of what the story is asking of her and what happens to her, she gets so much less. At the end of the cartoon, all she is is married. 
at the end of this movie, she's proven that she's a worthy leader. Mm -hmm. So I think she actually has more to do. She doesn't have the same sort of fizzle. Yes, but I feel like she's more part of, you know, the the takedown of Jafar. I know she's trapped in the hourglass, but, you know, she she plays a bigger part in trying to, you know, distract him, you know, do things to help Aladdin, which is not a, you know... I mean, it's not, it's not. not, Yeah. So in the cartoon, she's a sidekick. And in this movie, she has a whole speech about how like you should stand up for what you believe is right rather than just like succumbing to someone else's will. So she actually has a greater impact on the plot in this than she did in the cartoon. It doesn't, there's my time. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. It doesn't, it didn't feel like that for me. I, it felt like the way that I said it to my coworkers, because they understood this very well. She felt more like a classic princess than a Renaissance princess. I don't agree with that either. Okay. Because I feel like the classic princesses did diddly shit and were basically just told what to do and where to go. Which is exactly how she's treated in the first, you know, 95% of the film. Yeah, but she's fighting against that the entire time. <clears throat> yes. But not really. I, she, she's saying she's fighting against it, but I don't feel like she's not actually doing anything to fight against it. She has two songs about wanting to do something where in the end she... Her, but her whole song is about having a voice. Yes. Like, she didn't... Did she even have it? She didn't have her own song even in the original one, She right? did not. Yeah. Correct. So she know. didn't I, have a voice. Yes. I, I just I just didn't like how they treated her. And that's very hard for me to say because I, I, I love Jasmine. I love Naomi Scott. Yeah. She has had, as I've said twice to you now, because mm-hmm. I, I love this joke, she's had my favorite career trajectory of any actor in Hollywood. Starting off on a DCOM, moving to a Power Ranger, and now a Disney princess. And then she'll be a Charlie's Angel after that. And now she's Charlie. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, she's fucking awesome. She's great, and she's really good in this movie. Yes. I just wish they let her do, you know, something else besides sing. I think they gave her more to do than she did in the original one. She just doesn't have the same sort of sparkle. But I feel like that sparkle makes up for the complete lack of character motivation in the original one. I think they here's here's I'm I'm now realizing this. They split her personality in two because she had to be regal and be the princess, but then her sass and spark went to her handmaiden, who didn't bit. exist in the animated one. Yeah, which I like that character, but that character also felt very superfluous. Yeah, it, it was just kind of like it did it. it they just needed something to do with genie. Yeah. And so, okay, I guess this would be considered like slight Aladdin spoilers. Okay. So the new version of Aladdin. Yeah. This is a, a plot point different. I didn't like that at the end, the genie ended up with the handmaid mm-hmm. because basically what this is saying is that in this universe, like the only happy ending is you end up getting married to somebody. Yeah. I'm just like, we don't need, we don't need two heteronormative <laughs> romance stories in this film. Mm-hmm. God damn it. Yeah. I, I agree with that. The also the also the ending felt um a weird pace for me. A little bit. Where it was but, you know, it was it, it was the bow you know, it was the flash it was, this whole thing was a flashback. And then it goes back to present, they're on the boat, and then it ends in the flashback. Yeah, but that's like, the, but that's the same as the cartoon. Like it starts out with the merchant, and we never go back to the merchant at the end of it. Yeah. But that's because it's the merchant story through and through. Yeah. This is the genie story through and through. Yeah. So don't come back to the present, but they had like, that was their way of like showing like, Hey, yeah, look, I know, look I we know, doing. I know. 
I know it's them showing that it's a real story. I'm just sorry you can't experience joy, Cameron. I really, I, I hate when I don't like movies. I know, I know, because I can tell you're very upset about the fact that you don't like this. Yes. I, and I feel like, here's the way I think it works, is either you buy into a movie or you don't. Mm-hmm. And when you don't, you especially if it's something you wanted to buy into, you wanted to enjoy, you have to come up with reasons why. Mm-hmm. And I don't think your reasons are wrong, although I basically just told you they were. But I think you were trying to justify why you didn't like it. Yes. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. And and one one final tiny piece of reason that it like I said, I, it's not that I didn't it's not that I hated this movie. I just wanted it to be more. The, it, the the original Aladdin is so good. See, that's the thing, is you were holding it up to that level. Like I had no expectations to be anywhere near as good as the original, and it's not. Mm-hmm. I was just entertained by what they gave me. Yes. I I'm I'm just finding places where it felt like they cut corners when they really shouldn't have. The nature of this movie is cutting corners. Yes. Like, this movie is, in of itself, a corner cut. Yes. The All of the cinematography felt... No, I meant, like, its existence. Like, yes. rather than coming up with a new property, they're just remaking a beloved cartoon. Like, that is a cutting of a corner. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So that's, like, you just gotta go into it being like, yeah, that's what's gonna be. I know, but it's... Because I really enjoyed Beauty and the Beast, and I think that's that's my problem. Yeah. Is I really enjoyed that, and I wanted it to be the same level as that. And I don't think See, it is. See, I know other people, like, um, our friend Jason who hates Beauty and the Beast, not for the exact same reason you just described, but basically being like, they made some small tweaks that made it feel like they're cutting corners, like fundamentally changed some of the character arcs and stuff like that. And I think mm-hmm. that's, again, that's all valid. It's just like, he noticed that stuff and cared about it. Neither you or I did for Beauty and the Beast. I didn't notice or care about those things at this time around. I was like, it's just fine. Yeah. Oh my God, what's going to happen when we get to the Lion King? It's just going to be bad. Woo! I'm, I'm the only one that I think will do well as a live action is Mulan. Same. Because I think it's just going to be an action movie. Yeah, because uh, I think they've said there's not going to be any singing. Yeah. Um, Which I'm fine with. Yeah. I think that's just, it's just going to be a good film. Yeah. Like, if anything, what they should do is no singing and then maybe have, like, Reflections be the closing title credit song or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I think with Aladdin, it was at its most successful when it was being its own thing. Yes. And I just enjoyed the songs enough to go along with yeah. it. Yeah. Will Smith is great. He's good. He's solid. Yeah, he's, loved it. He's solid. Stuff. Uh, going into this, I wasn't super taken with the actor playing Aladdin. I was like, I don't think he's very attractive. I find him very attractive. Well, he was. He's the the, the Broadway one. Is he the Broadway one? Yeah. Oh. That, that's like that's why they chose him. Is he played Aladdin on Broadway? Okay. Well, yeah. I was like, I just like look. Aladdin is the hottest of the Disney. Not really a prince, is he? Whatever you want to call him. He's a, he's a Disney prince. Okay. Aladdin's very hot. Okay, we're, we're we're you pick him over Prince Eric, yeah. Okay, that's very hot. Yeah, yeah. He's lean. He's he's, he's in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. He's in my wheelhouse. Yeah, but he's very hot. So I was like, this guy, I just don't find him that hot. And then I watched the movie. I'm like, oh no, I get it. He's very charming. Yeah, <laughs> very charming. Very charismatic. He he makes it work. Yeah, and that, that's Aladdin. Yeah, mm-hmm. I loved it. Okay, it I, I'll end, I'll end my points there. Okay, there's a lot more that I could talk about. But I shan't. <laughs> you won't. That's I shan't. Great. I know. We'll 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 get back into this again. I'm sure when it comes around to the, the Lion is, King. Is there another? Here's my last question on this. Uh, loosely connecting to the to the live action remakes. Is there a Disney movie that you think, besides Mulan, could work with a live action remake? Yeah, like Atlantis. Yeah. I think that's Treasure Planet. Yeah, I think that's uh, fine. Not. 
Lion King, not fucking Lady and the Tramp. No, I they think the the problem is they're picking the ones people know, but the ones people know they know because they work so well as an animated movie. Yeah, not Dumbo. Please don't do Dumbo. Please don't do a live action Pinocchio. I don't need to see that nightmare. No. Um, and I mean that we're gonna get all of them eventually. So yeah. But anyways, we should probably Lilo and Stitch. Emperor, em, uh, Emperor's new groove. This. Emperor's new groove. That would not work. I think it'd be pretty good. As long as you still get Patrick Warburton. <laughs> that would work. Yeah. Now it's on now I'm on board. Yeah. Uh but no, I think we should go ahead and bring the ship home here. All right, that's fine. Um but yes, if you have thoughts about Aladdin or Robert Pattinson or Game of Thrones or my deep, deep hatred of whiny little fanboys. Yes. Or your script for how to how to end beat uh, a better Batman ending Beyond, for yeah. uh, Batman Beyond. Yeah, you can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Yes. Uh, you can find me at Lordifer on Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, I said I would post things for my Vegas trip. I didn't because I didn't take any photos because I was right. just living. Mm-hmm. But where can they find you, Cameron? Because your coverage of your trip to Tokyo was phenomenal thank you i'll probably do one of the i'll probably make a highlight for you, it you should definitely do a story highlight yeah because mm-hmm. it was amazing yeah if you want to see all of my former uh japan adventures you can find me you can find my face at cameron dot nope cam dexter underscore adventures or you can find my art i did not make it to 10 i only made four hey it's still good animated animations for my trip you can find those at cameron dot dexter and uh if you you post some of your your work from the Disney accounts on your artist Instagram. Yeah. Every eventually. now and then. Yeah. You post a little bit on there. So if you are just now realizing what Cameron does and are like, Oh my God, that sounds awesome. I want to like see more of his stuff. You can find it there. You can also find your original animations and help you get that job in the first place. Yeah. If you, keep, if you scroll down far enough, uh, all my original Disney animations are down there. Yeah. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. Go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's my plug this week, Cameron. Thanks. It's your Instagram accounts. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to plug the actual channels because it's just Disney stuff. I know. You, you can find them easily if you want to. Yeah. But thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Bye. Bye.